the angel said to them, do not be afraid for I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you and he is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Then suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Well, good morning, church. It's great to be here today, and I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward, and uh, they have uh, a Bible to give you if you have not brought one with you, and feel free to take that home with you and let that be your special gift from us to use in uh, this upcoming new year. You know, and imagine with me what you, we just kind of heard that as the scriptures were read from Luke chapter 2, and Imagine just being a shepherd, setting, observing, and listening to peace, except for sheep that are crying out. But there's a sense of peace that are there. And then all of a sudden, it's like the northern lights come on, and the sky is filled with such glory. And I know when I, if you've ever seen the northern lights, it's amazing to, to see it. But I don't even think the Northern Lights captures the moment quite like it was that day when the, that evening when the shepherds are watching as this whole sense of God's glory fills the sky. And then all of a sudden, these words are spoken. But what really amazes me is when it says and then the whole realm of angels begins to join in together. It is like a sound mankind has never heard before. It has taken 4K off the chart. It has intensified a sound that is only angels can produce. When they're seeing this great extravagance of God's birth announcement, something that they've longed for, something that they desire to see, and to think glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. You know, when I look at that verse, Luke 2.14, you see it often, it's probably on a lot of Christmas cards. Because it's probably one of the most used verses at Christmas, this Luke 2.14. The word peace is often the word that is used most. I think in any Christmas cards, it's amazing. Every year you see the words of peace on earth or some form of peace that is mentioned. But over 700 years before this birth announcement is given, Isaiah speaks of it in Romans, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and it will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. 
The Prince of Peace has arrived. And if you take 60 years after the Prince of Peace has arrived, at Jesus' death, Paul writes to the Ephesians in chapter 2, verse 14, and he says, Jesus himself is our peace. I want this, this thought to just to linger in your mind for a moment. That the peace of Christ can never be separated from Christ himself. That birth announcement that, that was proclaimed to the shepherds that, day, that evening was not to give us peace separate from him. For he is the peace that is to come. He is the peace that has come. And Jesus himself said some 30 years after his birth, he said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That's John 14, 27. Jesus clarifies that my peace I give you. And I do not give to you peace as the world gives. This world is longing for peace. It's looking for peace. But we cannot find peace apart from Christ himself. So what is this peace on earth that Jesus is to bring? Well, let me start by answering the question of what peace on earth is not. It is not the absence of war and conflict. If you scan over the last 2,000 years since Jesus was born, there's been an escalation of war, bloodshed, and violence. If Jesus' coming meant the absence of war and conflict, it didn't work. Even Jesus himself, when speaking about the end of times, said in Luke chapter 21, verses 9 through 11, when you hear of wars and uprisings, and do not be frightened. These things must happen first. But the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilence in various places, and fearful events and great signs from heaven. So Jesus clarifies himself that we should never expect warfare to cease on earth. It's also what it's not. It's not psychological or internal. So many books have been written about how to find peace. But Jesus is never the focus of how you find it. It is never the source. It is not the main thing when it comes to talking about how to find this internal or psychological peace. I've even heard Christians say that peace is nothing, uh, if we find Christ's peace, nothing will bother us. We will get along with all people. How's that working? Because you know, when you stop and think about it, in, in this year, there have been so many things that has brought anxiety and stress and conflict to Christian people. So if Jesus was to come to give us that kind of internal peace, that if I can just flip the switch, all this is going to get better, then it doesn't seem to be working because my life is so filled, so filled with fear and anxiety and guilt and worries and threats. 
because it's been so difficult in this year. So if Jesus' birth meant that all people would forever experience an internal peace, it hasn't worked. But if you go back to what Isaiah spoke of, he said, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, who has come to us. But he's come to us to bring a peace very specific. And a specific peace that we can receive right here on earth. We don't have to wait for heaven. So what is this peace? that is very specific that Christ has brought. I think Paul really explains it well in what is about this internal or specific peace that is external, that comes to us as to all mankind. It's found in Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 through 22. When he says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. Do you see, Paul specifically says we were once alienated from God. We were enemies in our minds. I think in Caden's testimony, during his baptism, he talked about being that at war with God. He talked about this enemy in his mind. He talked about his behavior. Once we were alienated from God and were enemies in our minds because of this evil behavior. But now he has reconciled us by Christ's physical body through death to present us holy in his sight. Jesus came to specifically reconcile our relationship between God and us. When you think about this war, this conflict, we can come to a Christmas season when we desire to have this peace, something that would eliminate all of the the anxiety and all the things that I struggle with in life, to think I could find peace. Well, I think Hark the Herald Angels Sing is a great Christmas carol that we sing every year. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconcile. There you are. God and sinners reconcile. That's the specific peace that Jesus was to bring. Peace that would reconcile a sinful man to a holy God. The birth announcement that night to those shepherds, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those in whom his favor rests. That announcement of peace went out to everyone, but only on those whose God's favor rests would experience this peace on earth. I can just hear our minds speaking. Do you mean that God has favorites? Does God have approval for some and not others? And the answer is yes. God's peace goes out to everyone. But only those who have received Christ, the Prince of Peace, will receive it. 
Romans 5.1 is specifically when it says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The pivotal act in finding this peace is believing. That word justified means that God has declared to us to be just in his sight. He's imputed to us or credited to our account his righteousness. It would be like this if you would get home this afternoon and the bank would call you or maybe it's Monday morning and the bank gives you a call and says, I just want you to know that your house payment, your whole loan on your house has been completely paid for. At first you'd think it was a scam. Unbelievable that something like that could happen. But in essence, the same shock and awe that you may have when you hear those words is that it's completely covered. It's completely taken care of. The ones that's really settled in, it's like, how can this be? Why would I deserve to receive something like this? That's the same thing that should happen to us. The moment we realize that when I place my faith and trust in Christ by believing. It is imputed to me the righteousness of God. Perfect, holy, blameless for me, for you, for all mankind. And when we begin to receive this by faith and faith alone, and we believe on Jesus as our Savior and Lord, we begin to be, we are united with him and his re, uh, righteousness is counted by God as ours. And there was something about Caden's story today that just, just echoes in my spirit. That he tells you very clearly about this battle, this war that he is facing. How he had lived a sinful life. And that all of a sudden, when he cried out to God, God responded by an overwhelming sense of peace. So how do I receive that? I don't know that I could ever identify with what Caden was talking about. So how do I receive that peace? I think the first thing you and I need to do is admit we're at war. You see in Romans 8, 7, it said, the mind governed by the flesh is hostile towards God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. In other words, the natural condition of man is rebellion against God. To do completely opposite what God has so desired for us in living a life. Caden articulated it. He explained that battle that was going on. Somebody asked, well, what, what does this sense of hostility towards God look like? I think the best way to describe it would be to completely ignore God's work and what he's done and how much he loves you. It would be like on the night that the, the glory of God was appearing in the sky 
the intensity of that light. And then the angelic voice followed up by the angelic chorus. That those shepherds, instead of going, wow, wow, they just take themselves and turn around and look in the opposite direction. That's hostility towards God. That is desiring to ignore the very things that God has done for you personally. When you think of what Isaiah 53, verse 5 through 6 says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him. And by His wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Do you see Isaiah speaks of what Jesus would do? How Jesus would would take care of this war, this conflict between us and God. He would be the one pierced for our transgressions. He would be the one who would be crushed because of our iniquities. And he brought that punishment upon himself. And by his wounds, we are healed. But we have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. But still the Lord has laid on him the iniquity or sin upon himself. I remember so clearly how for so many years I just did not want to believe that I had to make that step. But the day, the the evening that both Leanne and I came to faith in Christ, a transformation took place. That the only way I can explain it, it was that God did his work in my life. And that day, I understood it. That he loved me. He wanted to end this war that was going on where I wanted my way. Because I think today, we have gods that we've made. We've kind of made God to be something other than what he is. He's not as holy as he is. He's not as loving as he is. And we question, well, if God was really God... Why are these things still going on? But you know, when we talk about our own internal struggles, this peace of God that we long to have, that we want to enjoy, every day, once we have already embraced the peace that God brings, Shouldn't I be having peace inside? Shouldn't I no longer be battling anxieties and fears and guilt? 
Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here it is, a little caveat, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's easy to, do, to talk about, extremely hard to do. Because we realize that this battle that is constantly going on, something needs to take place because I keep facing this struggle this, that is intensifying even more so maybe this year. So what do I need to do? That's when we need to go beyond what seems imaginable, what seems to be understood, what would make sense, all this that I'm facing in life. And I need to go back to the Prince of Peace. For the peace of God, it says, will protect or guard my mind and my heart. You see, if I try to remove peace out of the, the peace of God out of the way that is totally in Christ, then I'm left with a hybrid model where I'm trying to embrace that which Christ has done for me, but then I'm also trying to figure out how do I work this on my own. 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. What does it look like to cast or to push it all, everything I face, push it all on him? Don't you think it would be a whole lot easier if I could just blame shift? But that's not blame shifting. What this is talking about is I take all of my anxiousness and all of my guilt and all of my struggles and I place it on him. And then his peace guards me as I live in the reality of that truth that he brings this peace. And it's him that I'm receiving. It's him I'm experiencing. Remember when you do this, that you already have peace with him. When you trust him as your loving heavenly father, his peace comes to us and steadies us and protects us from disabling effects of fear, anxiety, and guilt. So take your anxieties to him. Tell him about them. Ask him to help you. And ask him to restore your peace. But you may be saying this, I've done this. But I still seem to struggle with having peace. And it came to me by read, once I read 1 Peter 1 verse 12. It says it was revealed to them and they were talking about the gospel and its effect. And in 1 Peter 1 verse 12, Peter says it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. And when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And here it is. Even angels long to look into these things. 
And it occurred to me, something that the angels in heaven never get over, never, is the gospel. They are amazed at the work the gospel can have on the life of people. Because you see them as angels, they have not that same experience of sin and redemption. They've only seen it. They only have seen the work that goes on when someone embraces the gospel. That's why when, when one person comes to faith in Christ, it says all of heaven rejoices. All of heaven. Why? Because the angels get to see another person whose life has been changed by the gospel. That means every one of us in this room or anyone who's watching through live streaming or anyone who might be driving in their car, listening in the radio, when you place your faith and trust in Christ, you hear all of heaven rejoicing, not with your, you know, your real ear, but within your spirit, you need to see that heaven is rejoicing because they see what the gospel has done in your life. Something, I think about how angels respond. Is that sometimes when you look at what these angels, they never get over the gospel, they relentlessly, they passionately, they never tire of rejoicing and studying and reflecting on the gospel. They never ever give up. But how many of us forget? Does the gospel still cause you to rejoice? Or have you moved on? Have you forgotten what happened the day that you acknowledged by believing, placing your faith and trust in Christ? Did you make that response and then move on? My friend, angels never get over it. Neither should we. We should be as excited. You know, when you see someone like Caden when he was baptized and you hear his story, it should bring such excitement in this room because we see what the gospel can do when somebody believes and places their faith and trust in him. We need to take heart to what the angels never stop doing. I want to play a video that may help us to reflect. While it's being played, I just want, I've been praying that the Spirit of God would speak to each of us individually. Whether we are watching here live or we're, it's through live streaming or somebody who is struggling with this sense of, I'm, I know I'm at war with God. I know that there's sin in my life. I know that there's just no peace at all. I know I've never made this decision like I heard Caden make a little, little bit ago. 
You might also be here this morning, a Christian who's struggling with anxiety. And you struggle to have peace because it seems to be fleeing. Or you might be a Christian who's here today and you've gotten over the gospel. Then I'm asking for the Spirit to speak to you while we listen to this video. Look around. What do you see? Besides everything, besides the distraction, besides the notifications, besides the restlessness. And what do you hear? Beneath the rumbling, beneath the ringing, beneath the buzzing, beneath the noise. Do you hear joy? Do you see love? Do you recognize peace? Can you identify the voice of your creator? Now look back to history, to the night BC became AD, to the shepherds, the stable, the manger, the hay. Not the extravagant Jerusalem, but the simple Bethlehem, a beggar's welcome for a king's birth. And look up to the sky, to the star, to the angels, to the heavens. Look and listen. See the simplicity. Hear the child. Experience the beauty. Be still and embrace the peace. close the service today by praying three specific prayers. And we just ask that whichever prayer it is that you both, you seem to identify with the most. Why don't you just pray along with that person that is praying? Because the first prayer is a prayer for those who have never asked God to forgive them. And they need to receive the peace that God offers. The second prayer is a Christian prayer of confession where I realize that I'm still trying to find peace on my own rather than trusting in the Prince of Peace. And prayer number three is a prayer to embrace peace throughout 2021, not to forget it, not to get over it, but to live within it through a brand new year. Let's pray. Father, I'm experiencing internal conflict. I know now I'm at war with you. I've enjoyed my sin more than I I want to admit. And I thank you that 
in spite of my behavior, in spite of my sin, you loved me enough to send Jesus to this earth. To live a life I could not live. To die a death that I should have died. And so today, Father, by faith, forgive me for my sin. I trust you now by faith. Thank you, Lord, for giving me your son. Lord, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, I do thank you for that gift of yourself. And I, I do believe with my heart, I confess with my mouth, Lord, with my life, however imperfectly, that you are Lord. Lord, I also have to confess that I have not Lord, that I have not been faithful in keeping my eyes on you and coming to you and, and finding my peace in you alone. Lord, I have sought peace comfort and other things and in other relationships. Lord, in, in, in seemingly harmless things like entertainment, like, like in, in my own comfort and, and rest. and Lord, with all of the, all of the troubles around us, I've looked for solutions and salvation from political leaders, from pundits, from news outlets. Lord, why would I go there for, for my peace? But I have. And it's... It's empty, Lord. Lord, I confess... forgive me. Lord, I pray that you would forgive us where we have looked to other things, where we have looked to the same things as the world looks to, to try and find our peace when we have our peace in you. Lord Jesus, be our peace. Father, we 
We need your peace to guard our hearts and souls, minds. There's so much around us that is far from being peaceful and that saturates and influences who we are and what we do. Lord, I pray that we would grow in our trust for you. Your scripture tells us to trust in the Lord with our whole heart. Yeah, our whole heart. Our whole heart. So today I come to you and, and say, I need to trust you more. Allow you to control more, even all. Yes. And I pray that as I trust you, your peace would infiltrate to fill my heart and life. Mm. We're going to just pause a moment and encourage each one of you to make these prayers yours. Mm. Personalize it. Allow the Spirit to guide you to a deeper level of commitment in seeking after Him. pray that our eyes would be fixed on you, that we would learn from the words of Corey Ten Boom. Corey was a Nazi concentration camp survivor who endured much hardship. This is a quote from Corey. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within you, you'll be depressed. If you look at Christ, you'll find rest. The writer of Hebrews said something similar. said, fix your eyes. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. For the joy that is set before him, he endured the cross, scorning shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. It is our desire, Father, to fix our eyes fix our eyes on you, that your peace would guard our hearts and souls and minds. We pray that for each one listening today. We're going to invite you to stand and sing these words with us as a closing prayer.
as you leave here today, maybe you need somebody to specifically pray with you because you realize there's things that you're really wrestling with. Our encounter room, which is over here to my left, as you exit the auditorium here, there'll be someone in there who's ready to pray with you. Or maybe just grab a friend next to you and say, could you pray for me? As I close out this service, I want us to cast off our anxiety on him. Tell him about him. Ask him to help us, to protect us, and to restore our peace. And then ask him to use you to help others. Your oikos, those people in your relational world that God has placed there, to use you to help them find peace. May the peace that passes all understanding, the Prince of Peace, be with you as you go today. In Jesus' name, you're dismissed.